welcome to Turn the Page, the official podcast of the Syosset Public Library. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Turn the Page, the uh, podcast of Syosset Library. Uh, This is Barney Leventino, and I'm really happy today to welcome uh, James Byrne. Um, James, welcome. Glad to be here. Yeah, we had a little bit of a a technical uh, snafu here getting going, but we're we're here and we're we're, we're in good shape. Um, The book is The Gatekeeper. The author is James Byrne. And um, before I, I get into talking about the book, I'm, I, I got to tell you that um, since we started doing our podcast, uh, we get lots and lots of books from publishers, from publicists. Um, and uh, let me preface this. We've had some you know, well-established authors on the podcast. Several have been on, on, on a number of times. Um, and we get a lot of first-time uh, debut novelist as well. And many of those books are sometimes a bit of a slog to get through. <laughs> I will tell you, James, that your book got me from the first sentence to the very end. This was absolutely a wonderful, wonderful read. And, and you know, when, when I open up a book from a first-time novelist, sometimes it's with a bit of trepidation. So, Having said that and having puffed you up, now I'll let you talk about your book and tell our audience what's so terrific about The Gatekeeper. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so very much. The Gatekeeper was a project of real love. It was something I really wanted to do. I, I love action adventure um, novels. My my dad raised me on, uh, like, you know, Gunga Din and Bo Jest and The Four Feathers. I mean, that's how I was. And, and I'm also, I have been and continue to be a comic book reader. So I love action adventure types of stories. And so I wanted to do one and I wanted to try and bring a voice that I hadn't seen before. And there are so many great, great writers in the field right now, just doing marvelous, marvelous stuff. And I decided that I couldn't match what they do, which is they often have uh, angsty heroes or anti-heroes or heroes who are are fighting against some terrible uh, shortcoming, something's wrong. And my guy decided to make him a goofball. I said, what if there's an action hero who really is enjoying his life a great deal, not looking for trouble. When we first meet him in, in present time, he's wandering around Los Angeles with a guitar doing pickup musician work, um, really just like the happiest dude in the world. And then when trouble hits, he has a almost unique skill set. He's willing to use it. He's a rough and tumble sort of guy. He's what in England you refer to as a geezer. Where here in the States, geezer means something entirely different. Um, it, and, and so it, that juxtaposition of a guy who was not nearly as funny as he thinks he is, who nobody else quite understands, and who's just simply loving life and putting him in an action adventure, I thought that was going to be a blast. It was. It absolutely was. And um, uh, your, your, your protagonist, Desmond Aloysius Limerick, it's, it's a, a, a great name for a really, really fascinating character. Um, as you say, I mean, there, there are a lot of writers um, who are, who are uh, working right now in this genre, and and in Des, I, I see a lot of a, a lot of 
their characters, little bits and pieces, which obviously you can't remove from the nature of the character. But sure. um, yeah, his his he's unique uh, in in um, in his approach and his uh, his way about uh, his way about life. Um, so, where did he come from? He was um, he was uh, Frankenstein. I know that's not a, a verb, uh, but but for now it will be. Um, I tr- I wanted to do a single protagonist male character in this story book, and Des was American until he wasn't. He was thirty five, then he was fifty five. He was a law enforcement, then he wasn't. He was a criminal, then he wasn't. He was from the Imperial Valley of California. He was from the Northwest, where I'm from. Um, and nothing clicked, nothing clicked, just wouldn't do it. And the day that I figured out that he's in, uh, from the United Kingdom and that he's 35 and that he's retired military, although I never say which military, the voice clicked. And from that moment on, I had him, but I, but I tried a bunch of iterations that just flat out did not go anywhere. They were a lead balloon, but when I had him, boy, then I had him and he writes all his own dialogue and he became incredibly fun to write. He's fun to read. It's, um, you know, it really is interesting to see his, his uh, interactions with and, and a lot of different characters in this book. You've got um, uh, you, you've got white supremacists. You've got um, oligarchs, Russian and American. Um, <laughs> you've, you've, you've got um, some twisted military types. Um, and he's right in there mixing it up with all of them. And um, just fascinating. You know, he'll you know, he'll drop in uh, a little bit of Aristotle here and there, and and it's just um, I I kept wondering, and I'm hoping that down the road we're going to learn more about about his backstory and and really where he comes from, and 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 uh, he's just just such a juxtaposition of of different elements in terms of you're talking about his unique skill set, but he also has um, He's obviously well-educated. He's well-read. Um, he's, he's bright. Um, and, and it's just really, really a, a fascinating new character uh, to have come across. I really, I really again, I, I don't want to puff you up uh, beyond, and I don't want you to think I'm blowing smoke, but it really, it really was a fun read. And I'm, I'm going to encourage our, our uh, readers here at the library to absolutely pick it up and take a look. Um, talk about the sc- Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say the hardest thing about Des is I'm a newspaper copy editor for a living, and he's got really, really bad English. He speaks street English. And do you know how hard it is for a guy who's an AP style newspaper editor to get over having a character whose English is so crappy? It was really, really hard. I think I pulled a muscle a couple of times. Not fixing Wait, it. You, ju- you just need an editor who's not as smart as you, and then it works out, right? <laughs> um, talk a little bit about the story, because there are a lot of elements in this story that. Um, and you talk about you are a, a, a copy editor. You've, you've been a journalist for a long time. There are a lot of elements in this story that are, are just jumping right out of headlines and, 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 and TV news of the day. So talk a little bit about the story and how Des finds himself in this. A couple of things I wanted to do. And one is I, I, um, I, I despise the term ripped from the headlines because it's such a cliche. And yet I do find that I tell stories that are more or less what's happening in the world around us. I try and write a couple of hours into the future is what I try and uh, try and do. So, and this was written before some, uh, you know, more than two years ago. So it, some of the elements of things that have happened in the last year, um, I, I didn't know they were coming this direction and I wish they hadn't. I think I don't have to get into too much more detail than that. Um, a couple of things I really wanted to do on this one too. And again, 
I love, I love, I love the other folks who are writing this genre. But one of the things I really wanted to do is I wanted him to rescue a woman at the beginning of the book in Act One. And I don't think I'm giving away too much. She rescues herself in Act Three. She is in no way a damsel in distress. Uh, and uh, Petra is smarter than than Des by about a foot and a half. Uh, super competent, and I really, really wanted that dynamic. I didn't want, um, I didn't really, I didn't want the guy charging to the rescue of the maiden. And so that was, that was something I wanted to do real early. There are also about three or four other pretty strong female characters. There's two LA cops. There's a computer expert. So I really wanted to populate this with lots of strong women. That was the, the second thing I really wanted to accomplish. And then third, I, I just really wanted to put, um, I wanted to, I, I created the guy and he had lots and lots of competencies. There are lots of things he does well. He's very physically fit quite smart guy. And he's got a strange skill set that makes him a gatekeeper. Um, so I wanted to make sure that he was up against opposition that at all times felt more than he could handle. Um, if he had gone up against two or three mediocre bad guys, it would have been a yawn fest. But going up as he does against a conspiracy, I really wanted to make sure that despite his adequacies, his more than adequate skill sets, that he was always the underdog. Yeah, it's um, and that's also something that comes through in in, in his own um, uh, disposition, where he recognizes, um, despite his his strength and his abilities, he recognizes where uh, what his limits are in a lot of senses. Um, it, they, they, there's in one in, he's involved in one in one little fight where he acknowledges that the the man he's fighting is definitely better than he is. Um, and he also at one point, I, I'm not sure if I'm getting it precisely, you talk about um, Des versus Petra. And, and he at one point says something, I think, um, if you want to win a battle, you call me. But if you want to beat an army, you, you call Petra. And, yep. and that, that really summed up your, the, the difference in their, in their um, strengths. She being really bright, really intelligent, way ahead of everybody else in terms of, uh, of, of moving the chess pieces around. Um, so that was also an interesting um, take on it where she's not the damsel in distress. She's in some danger, but she's certainly not completely reliant on somebody else to come in and rescue her, which is a little bit, you know, again, of a different twist uh, on, on the story. Um, you bring in, and again, I want to talk a little bit about um, one of the elements in 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 the um in the story is the manipulation of of news by um this media tycoon um and that is again you you've been a journalist for a long time and i guess that you kind of um that's close to your heart um the 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 the, the twisting of fact uh, and, and the twisting and the, and the manipulation of news. And it's an important element. Um, is, is the truth stranger than the fiction or is the truth scarier than the fiction in that regard? I am, uh, I am known as an optimistic person. My, my staff makes fun of me for being Pollyanna. And so I have, very, I'm, I have a lot of faith in, in our nation. I have a lot of faith in people in general. I am really frightened by the the cones of knowledge the the venn diagrams that don't in which the circles don't loop um and uh on long island or in oregon 
our community newspapers, we, it's different where you and I are, because if you go to the school board meeting and you write about the school board meeting, nobody thinks you've lied about it. It's the school board meeting, right? You know, you go to the county commission, the county commission is the county commission. No one's, you, we don't get anybody saying, oh, that's fake news when you wrote about the size, the diameter of the pipe the county wants to embed, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't have to put up with that nonsense quite to the same degree. We get a little of it, but not much. Um, but I am, I am worried about a nation in which there are different knowledge clusters and they're not at all shared and, and, and the bubbles don't interact in any way. And I am deeply concerned that we as Americans haven't figured out how to get out of this situation we're in just yet. If in the 1950s, the Federal Communications Commission had said to NBC, ABC, CBS, um, RKO, Yes, you know, you can have the public airwaves and yes, you must do at least one hour of news every night. Oh, and by the way, it must be a nonprofit. You can't raise a dime on it. You and I would live in a different world today. But that didn't happen 70 years ago. They simply said, you must give us news. Everybody agreed. And then we've created over the years, we've evolved into the MSNBCs versus the Foxes and everybody has their own uh, echo chamber. Exactly. You know, it's funny. I, I was talking um, uh, a while ago um, to a former congressman here on Long Island, um, and uh, he talked about how, I'll say it was Steve Israel, who, who was here, who was um, uh, never my never my representative, but um, but he was always he was really an effective congressman. And, and uh-huh. we, we talked a little bit about how the middle has just evaporated. Um, and, and again, you use the term echo chambers. Everybody looks for news, but it's not so much that people are looking for news as they're looking for um, affirmation of what they already think. And, and the, the ability to look across the aisle and to see something from somebody else's perspective and to say, you know what? Maybe something that you're saying might not be so bad. And maybe if we actually sat down me coming from where I am and you coming from your on, we could probably come up with a solution that we could both live with. Um, and that doesn't happen anymore. It's, it's just, it's, everything is red, blue, black, white, up, down. And, and, and how do we get back to this dialogue and this exchange of ideas and the notion that, well, you know what, we're all in this together and we need to formulate a solution that works, not a solution where I win and you lose. And that's what it all comes down to. It's, it's like politics has become a, a blood sport where it's not solving problems anymore. It's beating the other guy. I, I think nothing succeeds like success. And at, in some state legislatures, in Oregon is one of them, 85% of our bills actually have bipartisan support. Uh, and um, at the end of the day, the Dems will give their speech and they'll do what they have to do. The GOP will give it a speech and do what they have to do. And then they get together in caucus or excuse me, not in caucus, but in chamber and say, all right, I want that half of the bill. I want that half of the bill. You know what? We can, we can live with that. Let's do that. And they pass a whole bunch of bills. And at some point I keep thinking that the electorate will say, you know, at the state level, a lot of states have kind of figured out how to keep do it the old fashioned way. And sometimes forgive me for saying this, it's retail politics. I'll give you your bill. You give me mine. You want my vote? I'll take your vote. That used to be considered to be a bad thing, right? It was giving away your, your, your morals. Yeah, well, maybe, but it's also, I want a road that goes there and you want a bridge that goes there. Uh, maybe we can get both those things. That's retail politics. And in some ways, in some states, and Oregon is one of them, and we're lucky as heck, don't get me wrong, that we can still have that sort of bipartisan 
pro, uh, uh, progress at the state level. And at some point, I always think that voters are going to say, well, if they can do it, Washington, D.C., get your act together. Now, am I being Pollyanna again? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, but it's just it's 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 just so frustrating to see that there's things that they're I, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I see like solutions that are there to be had to a lot of these problems and and it just is you have people on both sides who are just completely intractable and 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 don't want to just acknowledge that maybe something that the other guy is saying might make a little bit of sense and it, I Whatever I throw my, I mean, I, I'm not supposed to politic on 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 the on the podcast, but but let me share a real quick story. I'm trying to be bipartisan here. I, I know, good. They're and, all crazy. You know, that's the one of the things I love about libraries uh, is it's knowledge for all, right? But um, a, le- a quick, 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 quick story. Um, uh, today I got a letter. I live in Oregon, and I got a letter from Georgia from a writer that said Portland, Oregon, is a hellhole, and it's all going to pot, and it's terrible, and and you're living in Sodom and Gomorrah. And it's dreadful. And I could have thrown it out, but instead I called, I wrote him back and I said, you know, my wife and I live downtown. We live a block from city hall on Wednesdays. We go to our farmer's market. Strawberries are in right now and they're nuts. They're insane. Uh, it's a, it was a pleasant walk. It's been a little rainy, but you know, it's, a, it's the Pacific Northwest if, and I'm Irish. If, it, if rain's going to bother me, you know, what happened a long time ago, it's actually pretty pleasant here. How is your town? And the dude wrote me back and he said, I didn't really think anybody was going to read my letter. I was mad. I'm angry. I can see that you see Portland from a different perspective than I have. And hey, you know what? I've never visited Portland. I appreciate that you wrote me back. Now, did I change this guy's politics? I did not. Is he still going to think what he's going to think? Sure. But I didn't dismiss him as a nut. I responded to him and he wrote back, not as a nut, and responded to me as a person. And I'm going to take these little victories where I can get them. Fair enough. I mean, if everybody did that, we might be in a little bit of better shape than we are. Um, what led you from practicing journalism for, for all these years that you have to finally decide, okay, time to write a novel? Uh, always, always, always been a big fan of, of, of books. And obviously, I, I, I know that I can put together a beginning, a middle, and an end, I can tell a story. But normally it's a story that goes in the newspaper. My photographer, Jaime, and I last night went to the, before the opening of the Cirque du Soleil, they let us in while they were building the sets. And we got to, we got to tour Cirque, which is in town. I know I can tell that story. It's going to be a fun story. It's going to be a joy. So I knew that I had the ability to tell a story in 35 column inches. Can you do that in 400 pages or 380 pages? Well, it's sort of more or less the same skill sets. So I, I, I knew that I had the chops to do it. And I had stories I really wanted to tell that I'd really, really wanted to for a long time. And I have like total absolute support from my wife. She's, she's just Katie King. She's wonderful. And she said, you know, go for it. Make this happen. It, 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 if it's your passion, you should do it. So all of those things came together for me really, really well. Um, the other thing I have that's going for me is because I'm a journalist, I'm a very fast writer. Um, you know, nobody in the newspaper world ever comes back from a school board meeting and says, I can't write about the school board because the muse isn't with me. They would laugh and then fire you and replace you with a 20 year old. So we don't have writer's block. We have unemployment. Uh, because of that, I'm a, I can write a 350 page book in three months. Um, just because we're fast. I mean, and, and we have a very thick skin. I can say the last 40 pages of this manuscript didn't work. I'm going to throw them out and start over. That happens, whatever. 
the, I worked my way through college as a janitor at a Datsun dealership. And for your listeners, Datsun means Nissan. Um, the best, best, best day I ever had as a janitor at a Datsun dealership is not nearly as bad as the worst day I ever had as a writer. So I had the passion. I had a story I wanted to tell. I knew I had the actual chops. Decided it was time to get in the game. Boy, not only was the book refreshing, but hearing you describe your writing process is refreshing. Because, again, I've spoken, I, I, I've talked to authors who talk, oh, it, they're dragging the words out. And, it, it's, and it's, it's just such a completely different approach. So that's kind of that's kind of fun, too. And I guess, you know what, I think that maybe comes through in the book as well. I I, I talked earlier about how um, some of the books I read from first time authors are are a slog. This one was 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 kind of a sprint. I mean, I started it and I, I just I, I, I went through it and it's not like I was rushing to finish it. It was it, it really drew me in and it, 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 it carried me right through the story. And I got to the end. And one of the notes I made here is myself is, OK, what's next? When do we see Desmond again? And uh, so let's talk about that. What's what's down the pike? The second book is done. Um, my, uh, my my editor, Keith Kayla is my editor. He's at St. Martin's Minotaur and he's legendary. He's one of the finest editors in the book he makes in the world. I mean, he makes every book better. Not every author says that, but my my editor makes my stuff better. And it could be because I'm an editor myself, and so I recognize good editing when it comes along. He's got the second book. Uh, he bought it as a two-book contract. Uh, he's got that when he's editing it. I should see edits maybe next month. I'm 200 pages into the third book. Um, and what I said earlier, I'm going to repeat, is that Des is so dang much fun to write that if I'm smart enough to get out of his way, he writes all of his own dialogue. I just... He he is a blast to read. And I've got two copy editors, one who lived in England, who one's from England, who checks my English colloquia, my, my British colloquia, too. So that's that's how a great deal. Uh, I mean, I'm from Idaho, originally live in Oregon. So what do I know from British Brit speak? But um, so I've got that. But um, the, the next book is done and I'm pretty happy with that book after that. I'm into act two. I'm feeling pretty good about it. And well, it's, it's June. So by December, we, you know, that's six months. We should have two more books. Right. <laughs> Your uh, lips we'll, got here. We'll hold you to the three month thing. Um, <laughs> this has really been a lot of fun talking to you. Um, I'm I'm glad we got through the tech problems, and uh, and we got to chit chat. Um, for our readers again, the book is The Gatekeeper uh, by James Byrne. It is really fabulous, and uh, I am encouraging everybody to um, come down to the library, pick it up. Um, go to your bookstore if you want to buy it. I'm sure Jim would like that too. Um, but uh, in any event, it's definitely, um, it, it, it's a fabulous read. I'm looking forward to seeing more and, and learning more about, uh, about Desmond Aloysius Limerick. And um, we'll look for you down the road. I really appreciate you joining us today. And with that, we will turn the page on this uh, chapter of our podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for joining us. It's time to close this chapter of Turn the Page. Join us for the next episode.